Welcome to another episode of Called Bank Sports, the jazz, well, all the NBA records, oh, not records, but <laughs> schedules have been It's not released. that rigged, Dale. <laughs> there's the, still, the there's jazz still have, a chance they're different. <laughs> the jazz have already gone 82-0, and 0, uh, broken all the records. No, but the schedule's been released. We'll talk about that. Nate's back, so I'm going to ask his thoughts on NBA free agency because I know I had some unpopular opinions last time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Nate's going to agree with me on some of them because on my popular opinions, I'm guessing he'll agree with me on. But uh, I'm I'm excited to hear what he thinks about the new signings. Obviously, the Jazz made a bigger splash in free agency than we thought. And um, well, before we jump too far into the schedule. We this isn't confirmed, but the, well, it is confirmed that the Jazz have a Christmas Day game against the Mavericks. But just to like get excited for that, hopefully that means the Jazz get a Christmas jersey because that would be awesome. So I did a quick look, and just one of them mentioned like a late. I think it was a Lakers Christmas jersey at one point, having some gold trim on there. So I think that my absolute favorite thing for the Jazz to do would to um either do it with the earned jersey green that they had last year or in my my personally my personal preference a bit of a darker green like the keys used to be and i know that that is a very unpopular opinion but to have kind of a darker green um jersey with gold trim around the numbers i just feel like would you know not be too different than their other jerseys but would just be a really fun little like accent to have for the christmas day game i that that would be my vote, but I'm sure people are going to come up with some other design ideas that I would jump on first. My vote is the Christmas tree jersey, <laughs> and it just looks like an ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> um, I'd prefer a jersey that I could at least convince myself that maybe I'll spend $200 on it versus that where it's like I would not even consider that for a minute. And and they're playing the Mavs, and the Mavs also have like their third color is green. So we could have like two Christmas trees oh, playing each other. It can just be green on green, you know? Okay. I, I am excited for that game. I did hear some trash talking on a podcast I listened to. I don't know how like universal this take is, but it was just like, why are the Jazz playing on Christmas Day? And then when they're what? trying to throw out other teams, like, I mean, the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat, like maybe I can see it. Um, but then when they're trying to be like Zion or John ja Morant deserves a Christmas Day game, I'm just kind of like, I want the best teams playing on Christmas Day. I don't want big name players playing on Christmas Day. Like, that's well, a day off. Everyone that's exactly plays. what the Mavs are, though. But the Mavs, I, I know we're getting off topic from Jazz, but the Mavs, they have Luka. And the rest of their team is like good enough to make it into the playoffs. But. I don't see them being a championship contender with their current roster. That's that's fair. The thing I will give the Mavs, though, is they pushed the Clippers to seven games in the first round of the playoffs last year. And Luka's going to take a leap. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I think the Pelicans have a decent chance of making the playoffs this year, but they didn't make it last year. And, like, they didn't have that good of an offseason. And when you look at the Bulls, it's like they made some splashy moves, like – when you have two starting, um, when you have two starting backcourts, you know, when you have like four elite tier guards, but how are you going to run a team with, with those guys? Um, and then like Miami is probably gonna be contending for the playoffs this year. But when you're talking about that, it's like, okay, maybe you can reward the Hawks for making it to the Eastern conference finals. 
But the Knicks are not in there because they're a good team. Even if they come back, you know, and fight for home court again, they're in there because they're New York. Yeah. And And I mean, at least they're probably going to do a better job showing up than they would have in years past. And and this is another example of people underestimating how good Donovan Mitchell is. They're they're saying, hey, I want to see Jimmy Butler. I want to see Zion. I want to see John Morant. Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell right now is better than all three of them by like not even close. I mean, and a lot of that does have to do with, I mean, a lot of that does when you're looking at like Jimmy Butler and stuff has to do with the fact that Donovan has a lot more upside than Butler, right? Like Mm -hmm. Butler's in his thirties and he's been really good. But the question is, can you win with Butler? How much of it was just luck getting to the finals? Still absolutely respect him getting there. But are we going to see that from Jimmy Butler again? And Donovan Mitchell is definitely better than John Morant. And I mean, if he continues to just take step after step, this next season's going to be legit. Like, I mean, if I was a gambling man, I would not be opposed to putting 10 bucks on Donovan Mitchell for MVP like the next five, six years. <laughs> since I probably lose 50 to $60, but I'm not going to be shocked if one of these next five to six years he wins, he wins that award. And I'm looking for him to be an all-star starter this this coming year. If he like, I'm expecting that kind of a jump from him. I mean, especially if Damian Lillard just kind of has a weird start to the season, um, and like, depending on Clay Thompson isn't going to be fighting for the starter position, but like, if Damian Lillard gets traded and just kind of has a weird start, like that really does open the door for Donovan Mitchell to take that spot. Mm-hmm. I think Booker is still going to get too much love, um, but. That that's what you get, like especially when the Suns did make it to the finals last year, so they do deserve some of that love. Yeah, one hundred. So let's let's jump into the schedule, talk about what's okay. going on there, and then and then I I don't know how much there is to talk about a schedule. Like with the NBA, everyone's schedule is really close to being the same. It's just how how tough, how many back to backs you have, when do you have them, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and the then after with- that, we can get into free agency and and. I don't know, maybe talk about different lineups that the Jazz can't have now that we have a new roster. Yeah. And typically the teams with the hardest with the hardest schedules are the teams that suck because I mean Cleveland has the hardest one for Tankathon. And like Cleveland never is gonna be like, okay guys, we get a day off tonight. We just have to play Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't get that opportunity that the Jazz are gonna get where you still need to show up, but thankfully you only have to play Cleveland. Um, so savage. <laughs> Poor Cleveland. It's, it's the truth, though. And then you go to Positive Residual, which has been the one being mentioned a lot right now. And like Orlando Magic, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, OKC, like um, Toronto Raptors, like maybe start getting to the point where it's a good team with a hard schedule. But Toronto Raptors remains to be seen what's going to go on there. It just ends up being the more you suck, the harder your schedule is because. You suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I apologize if for whatever reason we somehow got a Magic fan or a Cavs fan on this jazz podcast. Um, I really hope your teams look on the up and up more so for Orlando than Cleveland. You got a title. You had LeBron. Like, definitely stinks, but or it stinks a lot more for Orlando not um not having a lot of success since Dwight left. But what what are your thoughts on? Um, what we said, what we're going to be getting to here, which is that per positive residual, the Jazz have the easiest schedule in the NBA. Um, 
Well, like, I don't, I don't know how to take it. Um, I, I'm happy for it. Uh, and yeah. if it stays that way, that's great because that hopefully that means if we have the easiest schedule, we have more opportunities to uh, give our bench players more minutes, rest our starters more, uh, less chance for injury, so that when when we get to the playoffs, not only are we more rested and we have a good seed, but we also have had time to ex- like play the bench players more so that they're in form to contribute in the playoffs if we need that, if we need to go a little bit deeper in the bench for an injury or something. So I hope that, but like like we said, um, well, like we were talking about before we hit record, last season the Suns weren't probably calculated as a really tough team on the schedule. Yeah. But by the end of the season, they definitely were. And so it, uh, you don't know what injuries will happen. You don't know what unexpected teams will jump out and be amazing. So or what I, I, I don't want to put teams, a ton of weight on that. Yeah, or what unexpected teams will just tank. Now, the nice thing is, from my understanding, from what I've read, um, I don't really know entirely how to interpret all the numbers, all the numbers for the um, positive residual power rankings. But that a lot of this has to do with, like you were saying, the back-to-backs, the rest days, like how long are you on the road and things like that, which having those rest advantages is great. And while some people are going to use that to knock the Jazz, like last year, the NBA gave the Jazz one of the harder schedules. And it might have not worked out to that in like all when you look at it, when you looked at it at the end. But at the beginning of the year, they gave the Jazz a really hard schedule. So giving the Jazz an easier schedule this year does in a lot of ways like balance out what's going on. There's going to be your years that you're going to do better. And because the NBA is now allowing 10 um, is now allowing 10 teams to have a chance to make the playoffs um, at the end, like having that play in tournament, while also you, they're all best of seven game series in the end, strength of schedule really shouldn't impact where you end up like it does in the NFL or in college football. Um, Strength of schedule isn't going to hurt you as much as injuries. So it can Mm -hmm. help you have less of those, but strength of schedule shouldn't be the reason that you claim to have had a bad season. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know how much weight I want to put on it, but, and, and like, but seeing the easiest schedule, um, Seeing the roster now, I think the Jazz are going to be a better prepared team. Uh, I don't think we lost Derek Favors, which is rough. But and and I know I was rough on Hassan Whiteside in the last video, but I think Hassan Whiteside uh, has strengths that Derek, where Derek Favors' weaknesses are, and that's yeah. where we were losing stuff. And we we didn't really have the same rim protection when Gobert was off the floor and Favors was in, and and Whiteside can provide that. Um, so I think we have a better team. I think we absolutely have a chance at one seed. As even if everyone says like it's a long shot, because I think the Warriors are now in the running now. Like the Lakers, if they stay healthy this year, which I'm expecting them to. And so I'd rather I'm okay with the Jazz dropping to like a three, hopefully not a four seed, but in the top yeah. three, as long as we're we're healthy and and ready to take on the playoffs. I uh, expect that, that's all. Yeah. That's almost what I'm hoping for. Is like. I'm okay losing a few more games this year as long as we're ready for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the number one seed is a health race, right? Like the Jazz for a large portion of last year were the healthiest team. Now, the healthiest team um, in the Western Conference at the end of the day was the Phoenix Suns. 
I'm honestly shocked that they dropped some of the games they did down the end and the Jazz didn't end up with the two seed. But like looking at it, it's a it's a health race. And so because of that, it depends a lot on how often are the Jazz playing Mike Conley? Is he going to play 50 to 60 games this year so that you can give him time to rest and hopefully keep him in high in you know good condition for the playoffs, but keep his hamstring also in the best condition it can be so we don't have another he's um tweaking it a couple times and never being able to play the clippers um at full strength so it it'll be really interesting to see while the jazz didn't really do a lot to f- strengthen up their backcourt i feel like the whole offseason was how many centers can we get you know <laughs> can we get a stretch 5 in rudy gay can we get or stretch 4 in rudy gay you know another stretch um 4 in the trade with the warriors for Pas- pascal or Pasqual, however you however you say his name, um, can, we can pick up Hassan Whiteside. We still we're gonna keep. Um, oh my gosh, Ilyasova, thank you. Like Doak is going to have an impressive summer league that makes you wonder, like, is he going to be able to see some backup minutes? Which I don't think he will be, but I would love to. I mean, if the Jazz are dominating, I'd rather see him go in than Whiteside. But I do think putting in Whiteside is probably the best long play since unlike, well, I don't know if you're not a fan of the Whiteside trade, but it took, I was a bit like confused for a second when I saw it, but the more I thought of it, like the more excited it made me, I I think it's a really good pickup. What were you kind of saying in last week's episode? Well, and I don't think he's, I don't think he's an awful player by any means. Um, I don't think he's a bad uh, backup center. I just he's he's the kind of player where he doesn't really try on defense unless it's for a highlight player or something that shows up on the box score. And I think I think when he was younger he had the potential to be like a Dwight Howard, but I don't think he really fulfilled that because he cared more about the highlight plays. And so yeah. like we, there's a lot of there's a lot of film and stuff that you can like his stats look great when he's getting 12 rebounds and five blocks, which like five blocks is five blocks, I'll take it. But also, if people while, are, while he's doing that, you know, he's letting a lot of people go back door. He, he's not yeah. really playing solid defense because he's going for the big play. Yeah. So here's kind of what I think about Whiteside. So first of all, um, I feel like people kind of got a really bad opinion on him when he left Miami um, and was replaced by Bam Adebayo, which Bam Adebayo was like top 10 center in the league. Definitely, in my opinion, top six, arguably top five. Like he's a really good center. So it makes sense to put him in, especially on a cheaper contract than to keep starting white side. Um, also, and this was according to David Locke. I don't have access to these, to the advanced stats he was looking at. So if you look at the beginning of his career, you see that problem that you were talking about where he goes for the block. Um, and that allows people to go back door to pump fake and to get, have a higher percentage at the rim even though he's putting up blocks like blocks can be a very deceiving statistic. So, but once you start looking at the more recent years, is he matured out of that, but always kept kind of that, you know, black spark, um, dark mark on his record, like just kind of that smudge. So when you look at that, he was successful in Portland that the Kings are just a disaster. So I don't really care about his few games he played there last year. I'm excited to see what he can do um, in allowing the Jazz to keep playing drop big off the floor. 
he will be able to put up points better than Rudy Gobert. I think that there might be some argument that he's not better on the offensive end overall. Um, but that could be wrong. He could be, I don't know how good of a screener he is, but allowing him to play backup center minutes is going to be great during the regular season. Having Rudy Gay to be able to come play backup center minutes and possibly play a more forefront role to prevent teams like the Clippers did um, from going small ball and just taking Rudy Gobert completely out of the mix. Also having Eric Pasquale to possibly do that and Ilyasova. Like the Jazz have a lot of flexibility at center. Um, that is probably going to be more important for the playoffs than the regular season, but that I'm super excited to see this year. Yeah, and I I am optimistic that Whiteside will fit better with the system than than Favors did. Yeah. Um, well, especially at eight because, million dollars less a year, or yeah. like seven eight million dollars less a year, and because you got rid of Favors, you got Rudy Gay, like. Those two mixed together, in my opinion, make it a great move. Yeah, and and here's I don't I don't know what the Jazz strategy like what they were specifically going for. I'm happy with their moves. Here's the thing that I think is is why this was such a good move over like Whiteside. Uh, I, I think less so. I'm still like I may be completely wrong. He may be the best yeah. backup center in the NBA next next year, and that'd be awesome. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Um, but. Uh, I'm really excited about Rudy Gay because I think in the regular season, it's the the system and not getting hurt that gets you wins. And the Jazz's system was incredible. Yeah. In the playoffs, you can break a system when you get to play a team multiple times. And so it's more of the matchups. And the Jazz... When it came, like I think they matched up well with almost every team in the NBA. The Clippers, they didn't match up well. No, and they didn't. With Rudy Gay, they got someone. He's not a great scorer. He's not like an elite player, but he's big. He's also quick enough to play on the perimeter. He can shoot. Uh, so it's like he, whatever kind of basketball you need him to play, he can play. If the Jazz. Yeah some small ball put him at like a, a five even or bring bring him out at four and Ilyasova at five we don't lose shooting and we don't lose a ton of size either yeah so it's like i think having him there is going to be huge come playoff time and and last video a point i made is i kind of hope that the jazz they play him enough to fit him in but they don't overplay him in the season because i want to see him overplayed in the playoffs yeah he will definitely kind of be taking more of a more of the George minutes than Yang minutes. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be seeing a lot of floor time. Um, and like you were saying, the playoffs is a chess match where the goal is um, to make an adjustment. And then the other team wants to make a good enough adjustment to make you go back. Right. And what the Clippers basically started doing is they stopped playing pick anything like they stopped playing pick and roll. They stopped kind of went to more of a pick and pop, which I mean, even when you look at small ball lineups, I don't feel like getting rid of pick and roll is a super common thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I think they're one of the few teams in the NBA capable of just, you know, stopping to stop playing the pick and roll. So because they were able to do that and the jazz weren't able to counter it, um, 
the Clippers were able to win the series. And it's not like the Clippers sucked at pick and roll. They were like a top six team at pick and roll during the regular season. That was one of the most important parts of their offense, which definitely gives a lot of credit to, you know, Ty Lue being able to make those adjustments, but also has a lot to do with the versatility that the Clippers roster had. And while the Jazz, obviously, I'd love to go get an elite wing scorer who's also a great defender, um, which, you know, Navy will be able to get when Conley's gone, but that is an all-star. Like that's the definition of an elite wing scorer who's also an elite defender. So in the end of, at the end of the day, like I'm really happy with the versatility the Jazz got this offseason. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped and I'm glad that the NBA season starts in October this year rather than having to wait like almost till Christmas, it felt like last year. <laughs> But still, well, didn't I we like have to? I end mean, October is a long time. Didn't the playoffs end in like October last year, though? Oh, they they ended in like what uh, was the? It was like September, or like beginning of October. So it's yeah, true. We, we did have a much shorter off season. We had a much. I mean, that's the thing. Getting and this off season is also to like short. a regular off season. Next off season is gonna throw me off so hard. Like going from being like oh no, no basketball for like two months to being like no basketball for like four months is definitely a big difference. And we had the Olympics this year. So it's like we had a short off season with with extra basketball. Yeah. So, hey, well, I'm super excited for what the Jazz are going to do. So let us know in the comments what you think about, you know, the um, schedule announcements. If you're excited for the Christmas Day game, um, and then your takes on Whiteside, the Jazz Center um, situation, and what seed you think they're going to get next year. So thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, and, fo- um, and follow us on our other social media. Go Jazz!